0: Father, we thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power. Lord, we are so open to revelation knowledge. We're so open to be taught and to be discipled. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher. And we ask, Lord, that you would be present and that you would speak to your people. Come and do what only you can do, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, want to welcome our Joburg family. Hey guys, hey guys. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about you. Uh huh. They're very expectant with regards to this message. But let me get started. What every believer needs to know about false ministries. What every believer needs to know about false ministries. And just so you know, it's 22 things that every believer needs to know about false ministries. But I'm not going to cover all 22 today, okay? The message is going to be split up into uh, multiple uh, series, and uh, I will continue in a couple of weeks' time with the rest of the message. Let me just start off by way of rationale why this is so important. You know there are different types of distortions you get. Uh, We've got land surveyors in this church, and they will be able to tell you that when you look at a map, there's what's called a distortion, a distortion, but there are different types of distortions. You get a distortion in terms of direction. Ever had that? Where you think you're supposed to turn and it's a 90 degree turn, but it's just 45 degrees. right? Some of you who use navigators, you know what I'm talking about. When they say it's, you know, it's like a sharp left or a sharp right, but it wasn't really that sharp. Okay. So there's that type of distortion. There's also distortion with regards to length. Regards to length that happens. And then there's a distortion with regards to area where you think something is really massive, really big, but it's actually quite small. And the problem we have in the body of Christ today is there's a lot of distortion. There's a lot of distortion. And why it's very difficult to have discussions around distortions is because there's often an element of truth in them. So when we're talking about ministries being false ministries, a lot of people will still embrace those ministries because in their minds they're thinking to themselves, but it's not really bad. But what he's actually saying, come on guys, we've seen it in the Bible. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, if you look at all the cults, all the cults that have started up, you'll notice that there's an element of truth that is there. But there are different types of distortions. So, for example, something that Jesus didn't emphasize, something that Jesus might have made a passing statement about, you find people building doctrine around it. I'm going to give you examples of this because I believe that the body of Christ needs to be equipped in this particular area. Amen? All right. My goal is to equip the body of Christ. And I don't see myself as superior as I teach this. Because you will see when we talk about these 22 different things that it can happen to any of us. How I many of you know that God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud? So, as we examine these things, yes, we gain knowledge, but our tendency sometimes is to say to people, Look, you know what I know. You know what our pastor told us. Well, you guys have got it all wrong. Be very careful because you could also be deceived. Amen. All right? So I pray that as a church will never be deceived. I pray that I would never be deceived. I pray that I would never go into error because it's not beyond any of us. Better men than us have fallen, better women than you have fallen. Amen? And so we need God to help us. So whatever we're addressing today must be done with the spirit of humility. Let me give you an example. Is it good to honor people? Does the Bible say we must give double honor to elders in the church? So if you notice what t- sometimes happens, it's, no, the Bible says this. But then what about the application? It's a distortion, isn't it? But when we hear someone saying you must honor this man of God, the Bible says so. But how do you then apply it? Does honoring a man of God mean I cannot question what he's preached it doesn't mean that so we must be very careful we take the word in terms of understanding it but also take the word in terms of application okay let's go a little bit deeper into this wherever the counterfeit is present we know that the real thing is about to manifest so when there are fake miracles know this that god is a god of power and god wants the real thing manifesting amen God wants the real thing manifesting. So it's important that as we teach on false ministries, we ourselves don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Jesus is doing miracles today. Jesus is raising the dead today. Amen? And so I just want that as a bit of a disclaimer, because many people who speak against some of the things that they've seen happening, we sort of wonder, but do they still believe in miracles? We believe in miracles. We're seeing people being healed in this church. We're seeing God's power manifest in this place. And... What we've seen in recent times is actually an attack on the real thing. Wherever there's the real thing God wants to birth, there is a counterfeit. There is a counterfeit. And we're going to go into that in depth. I also want to highlight to you that false ministries are not limited to whatever you've experienced recently. But they can range from a new age talk show host. Or a new age former monk we might have wonderful stuff on social media where a lot of it we agree with until they start talking about this mantra, that mantra, and what this Buddhist guy said. You see, the way the enemy works is that he hooks you in so that you think, hey, but these guys, they believe the same things as us. And then once you're part of their tribe, what happens? The false doctrine starts kicking in. So I'm not just talking about people who are preachers in church who get into heresy, I'm also talking about some people who are really preaching to masses through social media because it's still preaching. It's just that there's this platform here, stage in church, pulpit, and then there's the platform in terms of social media. It's still preaching. The enemy knows that if you stand up and you say, I'm a pastor, a lot of people won't listen to you. But if you say, I'm a talk show host, and you preach your doctrine... Without quoting any verses from any book, people think, this person is neutral. I want you to know this morning there's nothing neutral out there. Everything comes from a worldview. Everything comes from a mindset. Amen? So we're going to go a bit deeper into that. We're also talking about where people will mix. We call it syncretistic religion. The traditional African religion is quite syncretistic. So there's the belief in God that, yes, there is a God out there. There is the creator. But he's so mighty, so powerful, we don't have immediate access to him. We have to go through the ancestors. That's the belief that's there. And because of that, that belief, you'll find that with syncretism, when people came, when the missionaries came from abroad, some of them, sadly, taught that that's okay. Some traditional churches said, you know what, we pray to the saints anyway. And when you pray to your ancestors, that's your version of our saints. I'm trying not to mention certain churches. But there's certain churches that seem to have a good name out there. They've been around for a long time. There's a lot of money in them. There are a lot of CEOs who go to them. But they're still deceived. The doctrine is still false. Amen? So just because your grandmother was part of that church, it doesn't validate it. Amen? It doesn't make it kosher, as it were. So we're going to be looking deep into some of these things. True deliverance can never be divorced from mind renewal that comes through the discipleship process. We're living in a time where a lot of people like to have instant everything. We're living in the instant generation, what I call the two-minute noodle generation. You know what I'm talking about. The quicker, the better. But we know that quick foods often aren't healthy. For me, the nicest stew we have is the one that spends hours in that pressure cooker. I don't know about you. My wife knows this, but if I eat beans that haven't been in the pressure cooker for some time, I begin to experience cramping in my stomach. You know what I'm talking about, right? Think about it. The nicest, tastiest stuff often takes long. Come on, we've got cooks here. Am I speaking your language? All right? Older Sipos, Sipo the elder. These guys confuse us, especially when they're like, like standing together. And they're becoming better friends, the two Sipos. So they're always together now and so on. But the point I'm making is that we are the two-minute noodle generation. And so what happens is false ministries understand that and they appeal to us. So they don't say, hey, we're going to stand in agreement with you and pray that one day God will bless you with that husband in his own time. But we're going to pray that in the process, you do what you need to do to prepare yourself to be a good wife. We'll work with you on your character so that you are ready when Mr. Wright comes along. What do they say? "Ah, Don't worry. I've got the 30-day version here. Right? (laughs) In 30 days, my sister, you'll be married. What is he appealing to? He's appealing to your flesh. Your flesh that is saying, I want it and I want it now. So the only reason we have false ministries is because the demand is high. So the supply is there and we point fingers at these people saying, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? They're doing it because the demand is high. Because they're appealing to our flesh. And if we stop being fleshly people and if we stop being ignorant, these things will stop. Because there'll be no demand for them. Amen? I also want to say this in my rationale, that the most spectacular miracles are not necessarily the deepest. The most spectacular and entertaining miracles are not necessarily the deepest. How many of you know that if you went to ancient Egypt, you know there are those magicians, pharaoh's magicians, who would turn sticks into snakes and do fancy tricks? How many of you know that they did that to show off their power, number one, and they also did that to entertain people? The most entertaining, spectacular miracles aren't always the deepest in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit. But you see, the demand for them is high because people come to church to be entertained nowadays. Seriously, they come to church to be entertained. We've got a generation today that is over-entertained and under-discipled. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to sit in church and have pastors entertaining me. I want to be equipped by pastors. Ephesians 4, verse 11, if you read that, what does it tell us? It tells us that the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, evangelists, what's their purpose? Is it to entertain you? No, it's not. Their purpose is, it says, they were there as gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now let's just unpack that a little bit. If my job is to equip you for the work that you're supposed to do, how dare I stand up in front of you like one particular so-called prophet said recently, even if you fast for seven days, you will, you will never be able to do this, what I've just done. Look at the ministry of Jesus. Hey, guys, if anyone believes in me, these works that you've seen me do, you will do them. But you won't just do them, you will do greater than this. So whatever we do, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. If you look in the book of the Revelation, I'll share with you the scripture. But what happens there, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So when someone prophesies, it should be pointing to Jesus and it should be pointing to the testimony of Jesus. In other words, Jesus' words, it should align with the teaching of Jesus and the person of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to go deep into some of these things as we do this particular series. I don't know, maybe some of you like To be entertained in church. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But it's become skewed nowadays. Where we compare ourselves to nightclubs. And we say, all the kids are going to nightclubs. All the kids are going to all those things out there. Therefore, as a church, to keep them in, we must also do the same. We'll never be able to compete with those places. Because the purpose of those places is to entertain. And some of those places are demonically anointed to entertain. Our purpose is not to entertain you. That's not. If you've come to this church to be entertained... You probably need to just go because you're going to be disappointed. But if you've come to this church and you're saying, I want to be equipped. I want to become a leader of influence. I want to go and lay hands on the sick and heal them. I want to go and be an influence in all the different power centers. Then, yes, come and we'll do that. Amen. Amen. You know what I find interesting? If you look at football teams, the ones that win the league, I'm not talking about knockout competitions, I'm talking about the league over a number of months. Have you noticed that they're often not the teams that were winning all their matches 10-0, 5-0? You find that for a period of a number of weeks, they're grinding out results. You know what I'm talking about. Where we say, this team is so good. But then when you look, you see that it was 1-0, 2-1, Oh, and they just managed to get a penalty and then they got they won 3-2. And you know that it's the same in life? Your success is hidden in your daily routine. My wife is a triathlete, she's doing SA champs this coming this coming weekend in Durban. But what is what is interesting that she tells me a lot is exercise training for some of these competitions, it's about consistency. Jimmy works out quite a bit, I'm sure you've seen some of his things on Facebook. Where you almost feel, "Ah, this guy is so fit and he's doing all these pull-ups and so on. And you wonder, have they fast-forwarded? He's doing it so fast. You wonder, did they put a fast-forward thing here? Because, yo, how's he doing it? But he'll tell you it's about consistency. Amen? Be very careful of things that look spectacular with bells and whistles that entertain this generation has to master the art of making the basics beautiful once again—the basic foundations of Christianity. In this church, we're not going to just preach messages that um, tickle your ears. There are times when I'm preaching, I'm not picking my favorite message. I'm asking the Lord, what does the church need in terms of foundations? If you're a charlatan, what do you do? Hey, let's find out what do people want to hear. This is not marketing. Amen? So the New Testament adequately, adequately addresses false ministries. So it's not a new thing. And those of you who struggle to listen to entire messages or entire series, what I'm about to share with you now is an abstract. And I want to just show you that Scripture actually talks about it. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen? So 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 1 to 22. This is the foundation passage for this particular series. All right? If you've got friends who are asking questions, just say to them, go and read 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 to 22. And you'll see what emerges from here. This is what he says. But there were also false prophets among the people. Where were the false prophets? Among the people. Sometimes we've got this thing where we think the false prophet is always the hired holy man from the north. Eh, Wrong answer. Sometimes we've got this thing where we think that the false prophet is someone who just appears out of nowhere, from some cave, and no one knows who he is. Eh, Wrong answer. It says here, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. So I want to say from the get-go that there's a difference between a false teacher and a false prophet. There's a difference between a false teacher and a false prophet. And there's a way you handle false teachers, which isn't exactly the same way that you handle false prophets. Let me give you an example. Today, many people, you hear them saying, you know what, I think this guy is actually okay, this particular preacher, because his teaching is strong. But then when you dig a bit deeper, you see that the person, when they prophesy, they're actually using a spirit of divination, like fortune tellers and sangomas, which doctors use. Are you following me? But when you listen to the teaching, people are confused because they're like, but the person's teaching blesses me. You know why? The person isn't a false teacher, they're a false prophet. Are you following? Then you have a number of other people who never prophesy. They don't prophesy, but they've distorted the truth when you look at the heresy that they preach. That's not a false prophet. That's a false teacher. So be very careful about using generic terms where we just say false prophets, oh, all these false prophets. Everyone following? Okay. So it says, but they were also false prophets among the people, just as they will be false teachers among you, amongst us. Yes, among you. Next thing, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies. How will they introduce these heresies? Secretly. What do we mean by secretly? It's one thing for someone to come to a church. I had someone do this recently where they said, Pastor, I'm looking forward to joining you guys, getting involved in what you're doing, but I just want you to know my position concerning certain things so that there are no problems later on. And we had an interesting doctrinal conversation. So the person wasn't coming in secret. But then you have other people where they try to act very humble. They're always behind the scenes. They try not to appear like they like the limelight. But after a while, you start finding that people in your congregation are starting to get funny ideas. Friends of yours are starting to get funny ideas. And when you dig a bit deeper, who told you this? Oh, that's what this person always talks about. But they never say it to the pastor. Sometimes because they know they can't back it up. All right? So they do it in secret. If you study the nature of occult, what does the word occult mean? It means dark. It means secret. Be very careful When people talk about, oh, I will share with you the secret to this. And this is the secret. And very often they don't actually share with you whatever secrets they have. It's one thing to have a secret which you share. It's another thing where someone says, tell me your secret. I'll tell you when you're ready, my brother. (laughs) Tell me your secret. I really want to know. How do you do this? (sighs) My brother there levels. All right. The moment stuff is hidden and it's in secret. I'm telling you right now there's a problem there. So it says they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. That's an important principle. That's why a lot of times when people are shady, when they're dodgy, when they're dubious, it doesn't last long. That's why I often ask concerning ministries that spring up and when they've got heretic teaching. I say, "But how long has this lasted? Now some have lasted for many years, but a lot of them, you'll find that the leaders come to a place of destruction. Verse two: many will follow their depraved conduct. You know what that shows me? Many will follow. In other words, crowds will be after them. And many of us will go and will say, "We want to learn how you pull such crowds." But the thing is, there's something about doctrines of demons that are attractive to people's flesh. And it says, many will follow their depraved conduct. So don't judge someone's success by the crowds that follow them. Amen. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. So the impact it has on the church is that when people have false ministries, the world doesn't distinguish. I've been in situations where I'll tell people, yes, I'm a pastor. And the first thing they ask me is, okay, but you're not one of those that sprays doom on people, are you? Right? What happens is that false ministries bring the rest of the body of Christ to disrepute. And that's why we need to be concerned about it because people don't see themselves, you know, especially unsafe people. They don't look and say, okay, no, 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 Paul is cool. Yes, I understand he's word based. Oh, this guy is dubious. They don't know all of that. They lump us all into the same category. Okay? Verse three In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. There are three things I want to highlight there. In their greed, Very often, false ministries have the spirit of greed. Very often, false ministries have a money trail. And when you follow the money trail, you realize that, oops, there's greed here. Watch out for that. And then it says, in their greed, these teachers will exploit you. It's one thing to serve people to help them to accomplish their dreams. It's quite another thing to use people Accomplish your dream. Can you see the difference? Jesus speaks of servant leadership. You're serving people to help them fulfill their dreams. I want to encourage you as a leader. Talking about all of you as leaders because leadership is not about position, it's about influence. I want to encourage you. It's not about you. The moment you make your life purpose be around people and building up people and serving people you see yourself aligned with what God has called you to do. But the moment it becomes about you, telling you there'll be problems, watch out for ministers and ministries where it's actually about them. We call them demagogues. You know what a demagogue is? We usually refer to this term when we talk about politicians. But it's any leader who takes advantage or exploits people's needs, right? People's desires, and they make themselves come across like, I really care about you. But deep inside, they've got their own agenda. Be very careful. That's why Jesus says, you know what, I'm concerned for you guys. Because there'll be some who will come as wolves. They're really wolves, but they'll come, as she- they'll come in sheep's clothing. What do we mean by sheep's clothing? Who's the sheep? The congregation. Sheep's clothing. They'll look like part of the congregation. They won't necessarily look like a minister. They'll look like part of the congregation. They will smell like sheep. They will identify with your needs. They'll come and they'll say, I can help you with this. I can help you with that. Then at a certain point, they exploit you. May God give us the type of discernment that we need to protect ourselves. Amen. Okay. It says in their greed, these teachers will exploit you. So they use people. With fabricated stories, there's always a lying spirit. Because these people have been deceived, that's why their doctrine is erroneous. But at the same time, they'll make up stories. Watch out for that also. It's amazing the lying spirit, how it works. Goes on to say, their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. This, this is verse 10 now. I've skipped over to verse 10. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh. So there will always be fleshly behavior and despise authority. They won't want to submit to anyone. They won't yield to people who disagree with them. They'll just make sure that the people who it looks like they look up to are there and it seems like they're submitted, but they're not really. All right? So they despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. We're talking about angels now. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters that they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals... They too will perish. They will be paid back with harm for the harm that they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. Their blots and blemishes reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, very often there's adultery. Very often there's sexual immorality. They never stop sinning. So you don't see the person just falling once you realize as you go deeper that, wait a minute, there are multiple cases of X, Y, Z. They seduce the unstable. You'll find that a lot of people who fall for these ministries, they themselves are emotionally unstable. And so a lot of false ministries take advantage of emotionally unstable people. Let me tell you something, there are a lot of emotionally unstable people out there. That's why when you say to some of these people, can't you see that this is not in the word? Emotionally unstable people, their needs are being met. Like, no, no, well, well, if it's wrong, it's up to God to judge him. But, but I'm just going to go because, yeah. Uh, no, 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 everything that comes out of his word, everything that comes from his mouth, mm, I, I, I cannot fault. But we're saying, but the Bible is against this. Uh, who am I to speak, Paul? Who am I to speak? Okay. It goes on to say, they are experts in greed and accursed brood. Just watch out, there's a money trail. It goes on to say in verse 15, they have left the straight way and wandered off. So some people say, but he went to our Bible school. Yes, they have left the straight way. And you see, people get very caught up in this thing of spiritual genealogy. You know, when they say, no, 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 I'm fine. Because this is the Bible school I went to, and that person was my spiritual father. Doesn't matter who your spiritual father was, because you can leave the straight way. And you'll find with a lot of these false ministries, they use other people's names to gain endorsement. So if they know that this particular pastor is well respected, they want to have a photo taken with that person. Hey, you see, guys, I'm all, I'm fine. Be very careful of that. Be very careful. And when they share testimonies, they'll name drop. They'll drop in this name, drop in that name of someone who you respect. And then you think, oh, because they attended so-and-so's conference, so they must be fine. Watch out for that. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beza. Do you remember Balaam? Balaam was a prophet in the Old Testament, and King Balak went up to him and says, can you curse the children of Israel? And he was like, "Mm, I can't really do this, I can't really do this. But then he was offered gifts by Balak. And instead of obeying the Lord, who basically said, don't do this particular thing, he started entertaining the idea a little bit. And then his donkey ends up speaking. Remember his donkey was, (laughs) this amazing donkey, right? And what happens is, in the end, he basically gives advice to Balak and says, I can't prophesy against the children of Israel, but what I, can do, what I can encourage you to do is encourage these guys to sleep with your women, and then God will curse them. You know, God will put something on them. So what did he do? He knew that if these guys have a certain lifestyle, the children of Israel, then it's tickets for them. Amen? And he gave that counsel to Balak, and that's what Balak ended up doing. Do you know that there are a lot of Christians who go to false ministries, who listen to false doctrines, who begin to live lifestyles that are ungodly, and as a result, end up experiencing destruction? Amen? So a lot of people went the way of Balaam, because he wanted to be honored by Balak, right? And you could see that he was enticed by wealth. The spirit of greed had gripped him, and we see this taking place. Even today. Then we see something else that's quite interesting. It says, who loved the wages of wickedness. Their consequences. The wages of wickedness. You get paid when you're wicked. Okay? Their consequences. Verse 16. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. So who was mad there? If you see a donkey speaking, you think the donkey is mad. But the scripture here is showing us that the prophet was mad. There are people who start the right way, in the right direction, but a madness gets a hold of them. I know, some of, these well, I know of some of these well-known ministries that have become false ministries. Well, speak to a friend and they'll say, you know what? I remember a number of years ago, we had dinner with this person. This person was so genuine. This person was asking Pastor X for advice how to grow his ministry. Right? But at a certain point, the mind gets besieged because of what's going on in the flesh. If you're full of greed, at a certain point, you begin to compromise. And what's happened is that a lot of false ministries... Didn't start off that way, but because of the spirit of greed, they did what we sometimes will call augmentation, what I like to call mixture. It's where there's a genuine anointing on your life, but because of the spirit of greed, you want more and you want it now, and you're not satisfied because your church is not growing. And so you begin to operate in darkness in order to augment what God has already genuinely placed on your life. Be very careful about that. Do you know that we've got musicians today who are doing that, who are literally making pacts, satanic pacts with the enemy. Think about when Jesus was tempted. What happened? Satan, Satan approached him when he was in the wilderness and it was God's will for Jesus to be in the wilderness because it says that he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. And Satan began to say, and I'm jumping ahead of myself here, hey, you know what? If you jump off this temple, I'll give you this. If you turn this stone into bread, I will do this for you. But Jesus had so much word in him. Despite the fact that Satan was quoting scripture, Jesus knew the word better than Satan did. Do you know what the sad thing is today? There are many men of God rising up with genuine calls on their lives, And the same thing that Satan tried to do, tempting Jesus, Satan is doing it to them today. But what happens is, unfortunately, many men of God, many women of God, many people in congregations today are failing that same test. Because they're actually saying, okay, hmm, Satan, you'll give me that if I just do this. And if I shared with you some of the stuff that these people are required to do in order to gain some of the apparent power they seem to have, you'll be horrified. Because you see, some of these covenants involve sleeping around, sleeping with virgins, doing all sorts of things like that. The nature of some of these satanic covenants, it involves that. There's one particular lady who, who came out. There's actually a group that has come out and basically said, enough is enough. This particular church is one big bedroom. A particular false ministry was, dis- was, was described as that. But what a lot of people don't know is that behind the scenes, there are covenants that have been made where people are required to do some of these things. And I don't want to go into the detail of that. You can just fill in the blanks, okay? But there are groups of people. A matter is established by two or three witnesses. There are groups that have been formed where they're basically saying, we need counseling. Women, young girls who are being abused in ministries today. And those of us involved in counseling people and so on, we speak to people and people say to us, you know what, I had to counsel this person, I had to counsel that person because of what they went through. So I'm not making up stories. Are you getting something this morning? Okay, we must be equipped as the body of Christ. We must be equipped For their mouth empty boastful words. And by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Verse 19. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world, By knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and are again entangled in it, and are overcome. They are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Verse 21. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, than to have known it, and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit. And... A sow, talking about a pig, that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. So, from this passage, I wanted to give you a summary. This is like an executive summary of everything that we're going to be talking about. From this passage, we actually see 10 characteristics of false ministries. Number one, they are often prophets or teachers. False, obviously. Number two, they lie and fabricate. Number three, they are greedy. This is a nice checklist for you, hey? Number four, they use people. They exploit people. Number five, they can be amongst true believers. Number six, they attract unstable people. Number seven, they have immoral lifestyles. Number eight, they are boastful. Be very careful when glory is not being given to Jesus. But when someone starts giving themselves nicknames, What's all this thing where people start giving themselves nicknames? I am this. You know, like you're a boxer and you have to have a fancy name. Right? Be very careful about that. Be very careful about that. All right? They are boastful. Number nine. They give people false hope. False hope. See, and people don't study further. They go to these conferences and these places where they're told, if you go here and if you pay this amount of money, this is the miracle you'll get. The more you pay, the better the miracle. Where would you see that in the Bible? Where do you see it in the Bible? People who fall for that are ignorant people, unstable people. Now, you know what we need to do? The moment we see some of these things, we should run away from it like you'd run from a rattlesnake. Okay, you wouldn't really run from a rattlesnake because we don't have rattlesnakes here, hey? But run from it like you'd run from a black mamba or a green mamba. But you know the problem is? We, it's almost like we're eating, let's say you have a nice salad. And then nice vegetables. All healthy stuff. Hey, there's some broccoli here. There's some Brussels sprouts. Nice uh, cabbages. Nice healthy food. With a little dash of cyanide. That's what people are like. It's like, oh, it's Okay. Ah, who am I to say anything about the cook? At least they've given me all this salad and I'm a salad boy so it's nice. I'll just eat it. Amen? That little cyanide can poison you to death. So number nine, they give people false hope. And number ten, they'll be judged by God. That's what the Bible tells us. Amen? Now, the common denominator amongst these people is a lot of them are demagogues. I mentioned to you earlier on, this is a leader who seeks support by appealing to the desires and prejudices of ordinary people rather than by using rational argument. The basis of this is clearly deception. It's using people to accomplish their dreams. Have I laid a good enough foundation for you so far? Okay. Let me spend a few minutes now sharing with you and breaking it down deeper. The 22 things every believer should know about false ministry. Number one, false ministry is not limited to one type of ministry gift. False ministry is not limited to one type of ministry gift. Good teaching does not validate someone's prophetic ministry. This is a biggie. Just because the person went to Bible school and teaches nice stuff, it does not validate their prophetic ministry. Being a very good pastor and caring for people does not validate your prophetic ministry. Being extremely generous and having an NGO in your ministry that gives away lots of money does not justify exploiting people by taking their money from them. To make yourself wealthy. Amen? Some can teach well, but they still prophesy with the spirit of divination like a sorcerer or fortune teller. So you have false apostles in scripture. Revelation 2 verse 2 says, I know your deeds, your hard work. This is Jesus speaking. Your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Jesus actually is praising this church because they test people who are actually false. He's basically saying that's very good. Yet today many people will say, "Hey, who am I to comment? I don't know these things. Mm, And then we play dumb like we don't know the word of God. Just because you call yourself an apostle doesn't mean you're an apostle. And in this country, people like titles. Every Tom, Dick, and Tendai is an apostle. By the way, Tendai is one of my names, so I'm not dissing Tendais, okay? I'm also Tendai, right? People love these wonderful titles. Yet Jesus himself said, guys, just call each other brother. Don't get caught up with all this title thing. Don't call anyone father, for you have one father in heaven. Am I against spiritual fathering? No, I'm not. Paul the Apostle talks about it. He says, you had many instructors, but not many fathers. But not just every Tom, Dick, and is your spiritual father. Amen? So I'm not not against that. But people take things to extreme. And this one loves this wonderful title, as, as if there's an anointing in your title. As if you're not anointed if you're not called all these fancy things. I don't know about you, but one of the most anointed evangelists of all time, we refer to him as Billy Graham. We refer to him on a first name basis, but he was still mightily used by God. And he wouldn't have had a problem being called Billy. I don't know about you, but sometimes we get caught up in the wrong stuff. Because it appeals to our flesh. Now, the protocol we have is if we're introducing a guest speaker, we find out what are they called in their church, and we honor them based on that, okay? Just like you, you, most of us don't call our parents, you know, I don't say, hey, John, to my dad. Lately, my kids have been causing with me and, you know, especially one of them is like, hey, Paul, yeah, Paul, what you they were actually suggesting to me the other day, they said, can we have a thing when it's our, when it's, whenever it's your birthday, Dad? Can we call you by your first name? All right? I don't know where they got that from. They say they are doctrines of devils out there. All right? But don't get caught up with titles. Some people will call me Pastor Paul. Some people will call me this. Some people give me this title and so on. It doesn't change who I am. Because you can give me a fancy title but not give me the honor that I'm due, And then someone else can call me by my first name and truly honor me. I'd rather have the latter. Amen? I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. We mustn't tolerate wickedness. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. So you have false apostles. Everyone see that. You also have false prophets. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, watch out for false prophets. So, what does Jesus say we must do when it comes to false prophets? We must actually watch out for them. All right? Now look how what it goes on to say. It says, They will come to you, or they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Duplicitous behavior. They come promising wonderful things, but inside something else is going on. And you always have to see beneath the smiles. We are drawn to false prophets because they tell us what we want to hear. That's the thing about false prophets. That's why you see people saying, prophesy, prophesy. That's the flesh. I'm telling you right now. Because a true prophet of God, a true prophet of God, you don't want them to always prophesy over you. When it's the simple gift of prophecy, it's for edification, isn't it? It's for encouragement, when it's a simple gift. But when someone is functioning under the mantle of the prophet, sometimes they might say things to you and you feel like running away. Are you hearing me this morning? So when you hear people saying, oh, prophesy, prophesy, it's because they know that they will like what the prophet is going to say because it appeals to their flesh. I wish we could have many more people saying, teach me, teach me, disciple me. We don't hear that. We just hear, prophesy, prophesy, go deeper, prophesy. (laughs) Oh, he knows my phone number. Oh, he knows my phone number. Yay, praise God. Let me dance around because he knows my phone number. A fortune teller could tell you your phone number. You see, my whole thing is, how does that bring me closer to Jesus? What you're prophesying. How does it bring me closer to Jesus? Does it make me fall in love with the word of God or fall, fall more in love with the so-called prophet and become dependent on them? One of the ministries of the true prophetic is to ignite in people a passion to hear God for themselves. So with some false ministries, let me ask you a question. When last do they encourage you to seek God's face and to pray and to press in deeper into the word yourself? A lot of them know that if you go deeper into the word yourself, they'll be out of business. Are you hearing me this morning? Because a lot of them are demagogues. That's what they are, demagogues. All right? So we have false prophets and we need to watch out for them. We are drawn to false prophets because they tell us what we want to hear. They identify with us. They preach in support of the idols of our heart. So they wear sheep's clothing. Do you know that someone can pick up through the gift of discerning of spirits? They can pick up what the idols in your heart are—that thing you really want. But a true prophet will be able to pick up that this is actually an idol. This is something you should lay down. This is a high place that has been erected in your heart. So they should actually tell you that. But what happens is, if someone picks up that you're so desperate for that S-class Mercedes-Benz and you want it tomorrow, they'll see that and they'll see it's an—but they don't know it's an idol. Sometimes they do know, but they know, oh, that's what you want. My daughter, I'm seeing an S-class. <laughs> and they take a long time to do it. They, they take a long time to tell you that. If they know that you are desperate in terms of marriage, sometimes they can pick up, hey, either through the gift of discerning of spirits or through divination. This person is so desperate, they want to get married like yesterday. And they've been hurt and bruised before by guys. I'm seeing him. He's worshipping in church. (laughs) He speaks with a nice, gentle voice. Caring, caring. I see you've been hurt and bruised before. Let me just tell you something. Because a prophet has a lot of words of knowledge about your past, it doesn't mean you should listen to every instruction they then give you. Just because they picked up things that were accurate about your past in terms of words of knowledge... And I'll tell you how that happens just now, right? It doesn't mean that the words of wisdom they now give you should be things you should do. You see, they're familiar spirits that operate in people's families, especially families that have been involved in ancestralism and going to Sangomas and so on. They're actually familiar spirits, demonic spirits that are close to your family. And what happens is because it's all the same kingdom of darkness, someone who's functioning in a spirit of divination, right? Right? will be able to pick up some of the things because those were things that demons did to your family. So have you noticed that the things that they talk about tend to be negative things because they were the ones that caused it. Oh, I saw that you went through this. I saw that you had this sickness. I saw that you had... Because they did it, their whole gang. So that's how they have that knowledge, that intelligence. So they say all those things accurately and then the next thing they'll tell you is, so now I want you to go Give that man of God over there X number of U.S. dollars. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Then you'll have your breakthrough. All false stuff. But because what they said about your past was accurate, you now think, "Mm, because they know all of this, I must just listen to them. Because they all know all of this about me, their doctrine, how can it be wrong? Because they said all of this stuff and it was accurate, everything about them is true. Them committing adultery, cheating on their wife? No, 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 no. Because they had this accurate word of knowledge about my past. Be very careful. The Bible tells us that when we prophesy, we prophesy in part. We prophesy in part. Okay? There also be false teachers, false teachers. In Matthew 16, to 12, it says, How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Now, these guys were respected religious leaders of the day. And yet Jesus is saying, these are false teachers. Be on your guard. Okay? doesn't matter how sophisticated they look. It says, Then they understood... That he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus warns us to guard against certain teaching. This requires us to be alert. It's all false. It's important to understand that the Pharisees were part of the religious system, yet Jesus warned about them. False teachings can be in very well-established, sophisticated churches. Denominations and movements. It's a false teaching that would say one type of person is superior to another type because of the color of their skin. Churches believed that, denominations believed that. They distorted the word of God. So, false ministries are not limited to tiny, dubious looking churches on street corners. Or churches that meet in shopping centers. There can be churches with lovely buildings, with nice seats. Amen? So that was number one. False ministry is not limited to one type of gift. Number two, false ministry will be judged by God. You know, sometimes we think we're now the policemen of the kingdom of God. And that we are the ones who have to take this person to prison and do this and that. Let God do it. In Ezekiel chapter 13 verse 9, it says, My hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. You can have a lying spirit that speaks to someone. Someone who might genuinely be used by God, but from time to time because of their fleshly nature, there's a lying spirit that speaks to them and brings destruction. And that's the mixture I was talking about. Who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will not belong to the council of my people or be listed in the records of Israel. Nor will they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 to 2. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Already... I warned you the second time I was with you. So now in my pres- in my absence, I warn those who sinned earlier and everyone else, if I return, I will not spare anyone. This is Paul speaking very firmly. And he's basically saying a matter is established by two or three witnesses. So some people say, I don't want to judge. People say things. I don't want to judge. People say things. But the fact of the matter is with a lot of false ministries, there are people coming out of them. There are people saying my life was threatened. There are people who... We know personally who've been in some of these ministries and they'll say, I'm having visions, I'm having dreams where that pastor is saying, but we are the ones who healed you and they're threats. And it's so interesting because it's so similar to Satanism. When people leave the occult, what do they say? They say it was so difficult, Paul, to leave. They say, Paul, it was so difficult. I was being threatened with this and threatened with that. Be very wary of ministries that don't release people. One of the principles we teach people is always hold people like this. Hold them. Not tight-fisted, but just hold them like this. If they want to move on, you release them. You say to them, you welcome back if ever you want to come back, but you release people. You see, with many of these types of ministries, what happens is, what do people say? You're cursed if you leave. And then people are afraid. Is that the love of God? You're cursed if you leave. This will happen to you and that will happen to you. Do you know that people who get involved in Freemasonry, the type of covenants they get involved in there, and it's not just white people, by the way. There's some black people involved in Freemasonry. And a, a lot of the covenants they do and the stages are very secretive. But for some of these sects and cults to try to leave, the things that are said will happen to you if you do leave, Some of you have been involved in certain traditional churches, and there's a guilt you have. It took you very long to get out of them, and now you are here, but whenever you drive past that church, you feel guilty. And you can't fully function. I've seen people like that. And you can't fully function here because you've got a soul tie that's so unhealthy with the previous place. So when we say, do you want to be a member? Month end, we're considering membership class. You've almost got this thing of, we come here every Sunday, we really enjoy it, but you know, I'm really from that church, Paul. Why are you struggling to leave? Why are you struggling to move on? It's not natural. It's not natural. And for some of you, you need to be prayed for to actually be released into a new season of new life of effectiveness. Okay? We see this happening a lot. We see this happening a lot. So false ministries will be judged by God. I like this in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. It says, do not entertain an accusation against an elder except on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So guys, the converse is true. Just because you hear one negative report about a ministry doesn't mean it's a false ministry. You know, sometimes people have got this thing of, oh, but so-and-so told me. And then it becomes hearsay. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder except on the testimony of two or three witnesses. So some of the things I'm telling you, I haven't preached on before because I'm very careful about it because I would hate for someone to just make up stories about me and then all of a sudden people think we're a false ministry because of what one person said. So when I tell you some of the stories I'm telling you and I'm not going into detail and I'm not mentioning ministry names because that's not the point. The point is for you to be quipped And then to be able to judge for yourself and say, tick, 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 eh, eh, eh. Oh, I'm out of here. Amen? It says, but those who persist in sin should be rebuked in front of everyone. That's quite a serious statement. Those who persist in sin. We're not talking about someone just falling into sin and then they bounce back. We're talking about someone who has that as a lifestyle and their consciousness. Their conscience is seared in that area where they're not changing. You know those people. I remember counseling someone and um, the wife had said to me, my husband has cheated, uh, has had five different affairs. And I was counseling them. And his big arguments in the counseling session was like, no, it was actually just three, not five. And that becomes the debate. And I'm talking about intelligent people. I'm talking about people who are highly regarded in their profession. That's a case of someone who's persisting in sin. And the guy actually said, you know what, yeah, the other two cases, there's some remorse there, you know. But I don't know, this latest one, I'm not too sure why I don't feel bad about it, this latest case. What happens with false ministries, there's a lot of dodgy stuff happening behind the scene and there's no repentance And nothing is ever done about it, by the way. So it's like, oh, this pastor was doing this, that pastor was doing that. I was speaking to someone recently, and they were saying, oh, apparently the founder of their movement is having an affair with an 18-year-old girl or something. This is a grown man. I'm grown as in retired age with with a young lady. And people are still there just going for it and so on. I say, who challenges him? Hey, pastor, you know, these things are difficult for people to talk about, you know, but it's a known thing. So why are you still going there? Hey, no, but there's that thing about just stay where you planted. Stay where you planted. And then you try to become the savior of all those people, which is really pride on your part. But if I leave, the sheep will scatter, and how can I do it? What will happen to you? Goes on to say, but those who persist in sin should be rebuked in front of everyone so that the others will stand in fear of sin. If people aren't rebuked when these things happen, if things are just covered over, the fear of the Lord will not be present. People will be just like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And that's why with a lot of these false ministries where there's immorality, it's not just the people at the top, it spreads. And it's, somehow it's okay. You're like, but this guy has just done this to his wife and done this and that and this and that. Like this and like that and like this. They've just done all these things. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, just try better next time. Try harder. Just, just follow the Lord, my brother. And sin is not addressed. And look what it goes on to say in verse 21 I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels. Angels have something to do with this. We'll talk about it next time. To maintain these principles without bias and to do nothing out of partiality. Number three, all ministries are to be tested. 1 John 4 verse 1, beloved, do not believe every spirit. Say to the person next to you, do not believe every spirit. (laughs) Just because that man of God that you like, that has nice suits and so on, is saying that. The Bible says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many, not just a few, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So when we talk about false ministries, it's not just one or two. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So it will be a common thing you're facing on social media. When you go and you're looking for books, wherever you go and buy books, there's certain books where if I pick out a book... As a psychologist, sometimes I want to read stuff that motivates me and so on. Sometimes I'll open it and I literally have a piercing headache immediately. And I know I must put that, that book down because of n- new age stuff that's going on. With my wife and I, often if we'll walk into certain shops and we'll say, my love, did you get that cobwebby feeling? Yeah, I got it also. What's happening? The spirit of Jesus within us is clashing with the contrary spirit that's within that place. And it feels like you're walking through cobwebs. You know what I'm talking about? Be alert spiritually so that you can test spirits and discern because not every spirit is from the Lord. This is very, very important. The purpose of this teaching that I'm giving you today is to assist the church in testing these spirits and don't feel bad doing this. False ministry is widespread. I'm going to end with number four today. I'm going to end with number four. Four out of 22. (laughs) All ministers, all ministers must go through the character test. Every single pastor, every single apostle must go through the character test. The problem today is we're in a generation that just wants the gifting test. Are they gifted? Can they do this? Can they do that? So I'll follow them. My question to you is that person you like so much who's become your hero, have they been through your character test? And you don't have to make up a character test. It's there in the word. Titus chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. And then verse 16. An elder must be blameless. So that person who you say, ah, no, just prophesy to me. Are they blameless? Faithful to his wife. Is he faithful to his wife? A man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Verse 7. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must, not, he must be blameless, not overbearing. What do we mean by overbearing? Do this because I said so. Don't drive this kind of car, drive this one. Come here. Yes, I know you've got exams coming up tomorrow, but you have to attend this meeting. I know ministries like that. People failing exams because they're there, video camera. We must do it. We're told the grace will cover us tomorrow when we're doing our exam. I know people who've left certain ministries because that was the type of abuse. Because I'm faithful doing video camera for this conference today, even though I've got an exam tomorrow, God's grace will cover me. This is very powerful. He must not be overbearing, not quick-tempered. I know of a particular guy in a particular country. A friend of mine was under him at a certain point. This guy would get irritated. If the guy on drums was not doing it properly in rhythm, the guy would get his microphone wah, and throw it there. This is a guy who taught one of my close friends how to pray. Like he would be there saying, Okay, now, what's the time? Okay, count, pray. And if the guys aren't focused on praying, sometimes it could get a bit physical. Okay. All right. You can shout at them, shake them up. Not given to drunkenness. Not violent. Not pursuing dishonest gain. You can actually unpack that. What is what constitutes dishonest gain? Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who's self controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. Have you seen anything here on gifting? He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. They're detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Look how much it speaks of character, Look how little it speaks of gift. In fact, if you look at the character test in Timothy in terms of elders, if you look at the character test in Titus, the main gifting thing that's mentioned is they must be able to teach. They must be able to rightly divide the word of God. Today, in this country right now, you've got certain false prophets where if I ask you, have you ever heard the person teach? Like a coherent message, unpacking scripture. You'll say to me, I actually have never heard him teach. He's always prancing around the stage, prophesying to this one, this one, this one. But this is an overseer. The Bible tells us that they must be able to teach. Amen? So if you've got a leader who can't teach, what happens to the congregation? How are they fed? They're not fed, they're entertained. It's interesting how the test for eldership was more to do with character than gifting. People will be judged based on on what they do, not who they claimed to be. Today's leaders are relaxed about character. Have you noticed that? They don't seem to mind whether their leader lives apart from his wife for months on end. We've also got that in the body of Christ today, haven't we? Oh yeah, where's Pastor So-and-so's wife? Oh, in that country. They pastor a church there. And you've got this pastor who's got got high testosterone, sex drive probably quite high. Come on guys, as men we know, we know the guys where their sex drive is very high. You can see it. You can see them looking at the girls and all of that kind of thing. But their wife is pastoring a church in another country. The Bible tells us that elders... They must be able to rule their own households well. Tell me, how do you govern your household if it's split? Your kids are all there in different countries because in your country, and I'm about to go to a particular country that's like this, and I'm calling it out. The culture is the more affluent you are, your children go to boarding school in the UK or in the US. If you're a pastor, your wife can pastor church in that other country and you're pastoring in this country. You're just opening yourself up to temptation. You're trying to run your family remote control. You're not modeling family life. When we see Joan and Cindy coming week in, week out, and you see their kids here serving and so on, that's modeling something to people. I was speaking to some people the other day, and they were saying, yo, I love how this guy, you know, I've seen how he, just how he manages his family, where well, you see the whole family moving around, doing their thing. That's a biblical pattern. And these people were supposed to be men of God, who aren't modeling good family life. They need to be brought to book. People should say to them, this is not kingdom. Culturally, maybe you're comfortable with it because you're affluent and now all your kids are farmed off all over the world. Is that how you lead a family? How do you lead that way? I know, Paul, don't judge us. Paul, don't judge us. I'm sharing with you as Go Christian Church what we believe and what we value and what I see in the word of God. Amen? Let me close. In Revelation chapter 19 verse 10, Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. So John was about to worship this angel. And the angel says, worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears to the testimony, bears the testimony of Jesus. When people start to worship people, what do those people who are worshipped do? Do they encourage it or do they say, stop it, I'm a fellow servant. Worship God. When people try to make you into some hero and start focusing more on you than on Jesus, what are you going to do? Are you like Barnabas and Paul who tore their clothes? When people are saying, you now Zeus. In Daniel 5, verse 16 to 17, the wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I've heard that you are able to give interpretations, this is the king, and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you'll be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Verse 17, Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself. I wish there were more people who would say that. You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. He had no selfish ambition. He could not be corrupted. My prayer for the church is that we would have more Daniels. we would have more people rising up who acknowledge that freely I've been given this gift. So freely I will give it. Amen. We'll continue the rest in a couple of weeks. Let's pray. Maybe you are here this morning and you're in a place where You say to me, Paul, you know what? I have been deceived and I've entertained false doctrine. I've entertained error. Paul, I've come from certain places and it's been very difficult for me to be plugged in here because of the guilt I feel. And right now, I even am afraid. Those people I left behind, I knew that they were wrong, but I'm afraid of what they can do to me. I feel like I've never fully left. I feel like, Paul, you know, there are these ungodly soul ties that bind me to where I was. I want to be loosed this morning. I want to be loosed this morning. If that's you, please stand where you are. I want to pray, strong prayer for you. It's not a shameful thing to stand up when you know that there's a guilt that you carry because of where you were before. Just stand where you are. I want to pray for you. Maybe you are here and you've kind of had this thing where you haven't studied the word for yourself. And you want to come to a place where you're able to refute certain things, you want to be like the Bereans who search the scriptures to know for themselves. So you haven't had an answer. When people say, are you okay with this or are you not? You just keep quiet. And you kind of feel like you've been lacking knowledge in this area. But you have listened to this message and you're saying, I want to rise up and I want to be able to watch. Just like scriptures tell us, watch over the flock. I really want to guard myself against any deception. Just stand where you are. You're saying, I want grace to learn more about the word. Grace to ground myself in the word. Grace to be able to refute things that people say. Maybe you're in a place where you've been hurt. You've been hurt by demagogues. You've been hurt, you've been swindled, you've been exploited. And there's this wound in you. It's a wound of regret. There's this anger that rises up in you. But it's a type of anger that you feel like is slowing you down. And you're like, I just want to move on. Stand where you are, I want to pray for you too. Father, you see your people, you see your children. And we pray, Lord, committing ourselves to you right now. We commit ourselves firstly as a congregation. And even as the Lord Jesus said in the book of the Revelation, as he commended those who did not tolerate wickedness. God, we want to be that type of ministry where we don't tolerate wickedness. Where your word is higher than any man's word. So we come before you, Lord, and we surrender. Right now, I speak healing and restoration to my brothers and to my sisters. Where they've been deceived, I thank you for a cleansing. Where they have found it difficult to move on, I thank you for a cleansing. Where they've been afraid of what might happen to them. I declare right now that you stand in a place of immunity protected by the Lord. And I bless you and I release you into the fullness of God. And I release you into fruitfulness in your walk with the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, E family, online family, that was a great message, wasn't it? We really want to fill the globe with all this teaching. Our passion is to raise leaders and release reformers. So if you want to tap into more of these teachings, you can go to www.gochurch.co.za and I think you'll really be refreshed and reformed as you go through our materials. Well, if you enjoyed that message, click subscribe and also share with your friends, with your enemies. Don't forget... We've got the live feed that takes place 9.30 every Sunday morning.